Good morning, everyone. And we are stoked today. We have uh, Rob Stoker here. He's the founder of Hummingbird Sports. And Rob is an ambassador, let's just say, to raising our awareness of concussions, specifically with women and women lacrosse players. And Rob, I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, I ran a sports agency called uh, Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment. And uh, Lee and I, uh, especially considering our main thoroughbreds were my best friend, Warren Moon, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, and uh, not just for humanity, but uh, for uh, our preservation of our stable of extremely good athletes. We wanted to make sure um, that their heads were intact. In fact, we had many of our athletes who had retired and couldn't even remember Lee or my name, uh, let alone their children's name. And when I was reading about the kind of lack of attention to this matter and also your book, It's a No-Brainer, which I love the title, An Entrepreneur's Battle to Reduce Concussions in Girls Lacrosse, um, it took me back to the NFL and all the progress that we've made in uh, technique and equipment. Uh, but I was <laughs> very surprised to see that uh, it wasn't taking me back even to my days in the NFL, but even more, it looked like the 20s, the 1920s I'm talking about, not the 2020s, because they don't even have headgear. Um, and so as someone who has done, invested, raised money, raised awareness, worked with, you know, the Sports Concussion Institute to, you know, Mr. Ba Dr. Bales and everyone in between, I am just blown away after reading It's a No-Brainer. Um, so my first question is, how is this even possible? <laughs> oh, he's muted, Mikey. Yeah, you're muted. Or Matt, we can't get his volume. Rob, I'm going to add my phone number in the, the notes. Just give me a call really quick. We'll get it figured okay, out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Mikey for a second while we get Rob back on. So, you know, Mike, I know, believe it or not, that, you know, the brain is a major part of recovery. Uh, and I'm on a, a, you know, writing this book, Reconciliation, and I'm talking about what we do to cover our pain. How do we uncover that? How do we recover, get back to center to our natural status so that we can discover, which is an alignment uh, with the universe uh, when you're in a process of discovery, you're expanding, growing, just like the universe and allowing you to do that. Um, and so, you know, within the context of recovery, how has, you know, brain issues contributed that may be similar to a sports concussion? You know, that's a really good point, Dave, because if people have taken too much like methamphetamine, cocaine, or whatever it is, part of the damage there is a part there's brain damage and you have to really there's a great doctor called dr amen he has a clinic in los angeles and he's an incredible doctor that works with the brain and does spec scans and he and i think it was drama that actually interviewed yeah. him and he who you know um and they took his brain and drama from the trauma he suffered when he fell back and hit his head you could see the trauma in the brain so when I'm working with addicts, what I do a lot of the time is I like try to get them into that institute because then Dr. Raymond can actually look at the brain and say, wow, because of all the use, certain areas of your brain have suffered abuse and there's trauma in there. And now we have to come through meditation, sometimes medication as well, to build other parts of the brain so you can get aligned again. Because what, people don't understand. Sorry, go. What about alcohol? Alcohol is horrible for the brain. 
It really is. Alcohol abuse, people really do not understand the damage that alcohol does to the body and the brain. They just don't because you can buy it at the liquor store. You can get it and they think, oh, yeah, drugs. No, alcohol, you can die detoxing off alcohol. That's how dangerous it is. People don't realize that. You need a medical detox to detox off alcohol. People think, oh, I can just stop. No, some people are that far gone. And it took me years because of my ADHD and dyslexia when I first got sober to rewire. Thank God there's neuroplasticity to rewire my brain through cognitive behavioral therapy, eating correctly and doing these things. You know what I mean? Let's do this, Matty. Let's bring Doug on, Matt. Let's bring Doug on, and then we'll bring in Rob as you get him up. So we'll we'll with this. Hey, Doug, we're going to bring you on early. We got a little volume problem with Rob Stoker, so we'll bring him on after you. Uh, So unexpectedly, we got... Oh, hold on. Oh, no problem. We'll we'll, we'll give you a big introduction, so just do what you need to do. This is a very informal show. Uh, This is Wacky Wednesdays. Yeah. All right. So... Well, well, whoever whever gets on board for is Doug. Like, I'm not going on. Uh, and then you, and then you've got to go at five thirty for your the keynote as well. Yeah, no, I'm going. I'm going to Vegas. Uh, so we're blessed to have a studio in the lobby of the Win, uh, which we can't wait for you to get back so we can do some content. You and I maybe even do a live. We're going to film Office Hours, uh, the TV show in Vegas uh, for four Fridays, Amazing. and so instead of doing one week, uh, you know, we're going to do three episodes in a day, which is much more relaxing. Uh, and also gives more of an ability for our extraordinary billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs. All right, we're going to bring Rob in. So anyway, <laughs> Rob is once again the founder of Hummingbird Sports. He's an advocate and an ambassador uh, for women's lacrosse, uh, which seems to have an antiquated vision of taking care of our brains uh, in our heads in general. Uh, so Rob, my, my question just to reformat was, how can this even be possible? Yeah, so how it's possible is that the blueprint has been written. Other sports have gone through it. Uh, You mentioned football and how much we're learning about um, head injuries over the last decade or two. Um, We we always say the NHL went through it. It was only 40, 50 years ago uh, there was resistance, and so they had to grandfather in helmets because uh, players who had played forever without it, um, you know, there was resistance there. We talk about if you went to a ski slope 15 years ago and went to a good skier and handed them a helmet, they would have said, get away from me. Um, go give that to a kid. I'm a good skier. I don't need that. And But, but uh, it, is ama- it is amazing that no one's ever resisted the cup. Right. right. <laughs> when we offered the cup, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'll take that. Right. Uh, there, there's, <laughs> there's resistance for sure. Uh, a lot of players don't, don't play. You know, so, uh, yeah, there's there's resistance for sure. <laughs> So, uh, you're adding protective equipment and, um, you know, anytime you're doing that there, there's going to be some resistance, but I didn't realize that the resistance was going to be so great at the highest levels, um, that people who had been around the game for so long, were just so resistant to even having the conversation. I, uh, you know, that has absolutely shocked me too. I thought, yep. What about the parents? You know, I'm, I'm surprised still today we do flag football with optional uh, headgear, uh, you know, and I can't imagine my 11-year-old running full speed and accidentally bumping heads with another 11-year-old running full speed and then not paying attention to that and then happening again. And what could, you know, I have known and seen to be lifetime, if not deadly results, how parents, you know, let their kids skateboard and bike and do all of these things with no helmets. 
Yeah, so at least, you know, I don't know about other sports. And the one difference of girls lacrosse is that they play with sticks. They play above the head. They play with a rock-hard ball. The goalies in girls lacrosse wear big, hard helmets. So um, I can only talk about um, girls lacrosse. Parents get it. Uh, Parents get it. What happens, though, is parents defer to those who run the organizations. They defer to coaches. They defer to the governing body of lacrosse, USA Lacrosse. And um, that is the governing body that governs lacrosse all over the country. And um, if, if they're not getting the information out there and they're not um, you know, pushing the educational part of it and um, getting parents to understand head injuries, parents just defer to, you know, coach says the girls don't wear uh, headgear. That's that, that must be, there must be a reason why. And that's it. And go ahead. Mike, go ahead. No, 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 you no, go, we, you go, you go. I, I just, it just seems too obvious. And, and I, what, what's the resistance that USA lacrosse has? Cause you're trying on a personal mission to, to convince them, you know, that, I'm just, it's be. I'm on the U S Olympic committee. I, you know, work within the context of, of sports and, you know, what's the, what's the argument or resistance to it? We're down to one argument and it's, it's called the gladiator effect. There's this fear that, so the boys game is very physical. It's, 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 they're two different sports, different rules. Um, Boys knock each other down. The girls game is not supposed to be as physical. They are putting in rules to allow light checking, um, and it's like I said, it's still played with that stick and rock hard ball. And I always accidents do happen all the time. One uh, ball to the head. But there's this fear that you put headgear on uh, girls and it'll change the game. It'll get rougher. They'll get more violent. They'll get more physical. That is the fear. And people who have been around the girls game. It is. It's a beautiful game. It's free flowing and it's a great game. They are terrified. Um, that you put headgear on these girls. It makes zero sense. There's no scientific merit to it. Look, look it is just NBA. one of those arguments that they use. Look at the NBA. You know, the, the men's game is much more physical than, than the women's game. They just play a different game. There's a different personality trait within the context of how they play games. And, you know, I, well, beyond the fact that, you know, that <laughs> I, I won't even get into it. Yeah, it, then change the rules. Right. Then change the rules. Well, to me, it's don't change the rules to me. I I don't it's the opposite. If you're so concerned with training officials in the game, getting out of hand, tell them not to change anything. Put headgear on the girls. And that's what they did in Florida. The state of Florida mandated and there are studies coming out that head injuries went down and the game didn't change. And that is those are facts. Those are scientific facts. That's the way it is. But um, unfortunately, there are people just a few people in the room who make all the decisions at uh, USA lacrosse um, and they, whatever they talk about, they talk about. And um, you know, nobody, nobody really knows about their conversations and their rule changes. And uh, my guess from being around this for so long is that many of them just refuse to even have the conversation. Yeah. I, I grew up playing rugby and you don't wear headgear, unlike American football. Um, and because you don't tackle with your head, you don't clash heads, but you still get really banged up and a lot of concussion. So I understand when people say you put a headgear on, it's a false sense of security, but you're talking about tossing a ball around. And, yeah. and you know, you ever felt that, that lacrosse oh ball, it's a rock. It's a rock it's hard a hockey puck. It's really a round fast. hockey puck. Exactly. <laughs> so they put a so, standard for headgear that was that it, it can withstand a 60 mile an hour throw of that rock hard ball. Uh, that happens. It, it should just be common sense. I obviously agree with you that if I'm going to throw a ball at you or hit a hit you in the head with a stick when sticks are always coming down, um, you obviously want your head protected. Now, what happens if the parents just say, look, no, our kids need to wear headgear? 
end of story. It's happening. So it's happening individually. Yeah. It happened in the state of Florida. Uh, board is, got is there, together. Is there rules it. against wearing it? Is there rules against wearing oh, yeah. it? No. None. Yeah. No. Good. They, they put in a standard. There's no rules against it. They they call it optional. The the problem is also that I have four Fancy. daughters. I have four daughters myself. Um, you know, they all play uh, different sports. I don't play lacrosse, uh, mostly basketball. Um, uh, but uh, you know, the there there's um, an issue that no girl or very few girls. It takes a very strong girl to say, "I'll be the only one on that field wearing headgear." And so that's that this this yeah. thing about it being optional for for most of these uh, girls, it's not an option. I'm I'm sorry, Robbie. It takes more than just a strong girl. It takes strong parents. Absolutely. Right. It Absolutely. takes strong parents. And I would be interested in understanding how Florida, you know, had the mandate uh, happen. And, you know, the easiest way to get to where you want to be is to find someone who's already there and ask them for directions and see what the coaches did, what the parents did and what the players did in order to convince the regulation, the body regulation to switch the rules uh, because, that will scale. There's no doubt. It's just a matter of time. And I'm so excited that you're the person accelerating that time as Lee Steinberg and I had done, you know, in the NFL early on and have, you know, created that sports concussion uh, idea and, you know, utilizing what is, you know, truly an obvious, which is why your book has a perfect title, right? It's a no brainer, right? It's just a no brainer. You cannot tell me one single reason, even that one reason, is just ludicrous, arbitrary, and capricious. There's so many ways to get around or to help that argument. Um, where can people and how can people reach out to you or to others um, in order to help build this momentum so that we protect more of our young ladies? Yeah, so uh, anybody can email me, rob.stoker at gmail.com. You can, uh, the the tools that are all there are on the www.brainsafetyalliance.com. Uh, that's a group of uh, amazing uh, girls who have suffered uh, head injuries. Uh, if you ask me, uh, most of them, if not all of them, unnecessarily, it didn't have to happen. Um, coaches, parents who are on board, um, and all the science, all the studies are all on there, www.brainsafetyalliance.com. But like I said, anybody can reach out to me. I encourage people to reach out to U.S. Lacrosse, uh, USA Lacrosse. Um, you'll, you know, what, what, from what I've heard from them, they give the words of safety is a priority of theirs. But, um, you know, the, the, when the conversation turns to headgear, it, it takes a turn for sure. So asking those questions, uh, putting pressure on, uh, coaches, decision makers, uh, asking why they're not doing it, hearing for yourself um, that ridiculous notion of the gladiator effect that isn't there. Um, I would encourage everybody ask those questions about anything you're doing, anything you see, any injustice. How, how I started asking the, the questions and I didn't like the answers. How much is the headgear? Yeah, so uh, we sell our headgear. We have two different models. A first model that's $100 and a second model that's $140. Uh, but I would give away headgear to, uh, I do give away headgear to teams that are willing to try it. I am uh, truly in this for the right reasons. If you're a team out there and you can't afford it, please reach out to me and I will get headgear in your hands. And for me too, anyone that joins my 14 day gratitude challenge uh, that can't afford headgear or can't afford headgear, I'll be happy to donate uh, to purchase those for them as well. David at dmeltzer.com. So the burden isn't fully just on Rob. I'm more than happy for $100 to save a life. Um, that's awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much. Reach out, hummingbirdsports.com, robstoker.com. He gave you his email 
address as well. Appreciate it, man. It's a no-brainer. Keep up the great work. Mike and I both are here for you as well. So just let us know how we could be of service. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on and talking about this. Absolutely, brother. Thank Take you. care. All right. All right. Yeah, cool. have a great day. Bye -bye. All right. So now strange, we're not right. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Uh, yeah. All right, let's bring Doug on. Uh, we won't scare him this time. <laughs> hey, hey, the incredible uh, Doug DeVos. Uh, he's the co-chair and board of directors for Amway, extraordinary company, and founder of the Continuum Ventures. Uh, and we're going to talk about something that you know has changed my life, and it's your podcast. Uh, that's uh, belief, right? And your podcast is called Believe. And uh, it's, I always say, you're, we're in the cross, so the sports world, your skills and knowledge, I believe in business and sports, determine your basement. Uh, but your belief determines your potential. Yeah. David, you're so you're so right. And it's it comes from the inside out, right? What you believe on the inside and how you can drive yourself, because there's a lot of people with talent, but they just don't have the drive and determination to get there, or take it to the next level. And, and so the whole idea that, uh, you know, I've lived my life in Amway with people who came from really tough, uh, tough situations, who had a level of talent and skills, but able to were able to maximize them and realize their potential because they believed in themselves. And there's just you know just simple things of people coming around each other like what you do. We share that common that common feeling, that common understanding that people have great potential, uh, and, and that and that giving them the opportunity to to challenge themselves for what they really believe, and then to express those beliefs and values in their life is is what takes them forward. So in the notes, you're talking about the American dream and what yeah. it means now. Do you want to discuss that? So I came here from Australia to live the American dream. And it's been incredible because America is just an incredible place if you work hard. And you just said it. If you believe, if you've got dedication, discipline, work hard in this country, it is fantastic. But for you, right, coming from Amway and you, your podcast and everything, what's the American dream to you? Well, you know, the American dream to me is your story. It's the story of individuals who have made it work for them, you know, and the American dream is is the ability to 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 take yourself from a place where you are and, and go to another spot. It's not comparative. There's no comparison here about, hey, what did somebody else do and how am I doing relative to them? It, it's I, I started at a place and, and I was able to move forward and there the barriers that are normally there in life were less. Now, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I know that there's barriers in life, certainly in the United States as well. And there's things that happen in our communities that hold people back. And we want to eliminate that as much as possible. But I still believe that this idea of the American dream says, if you set a goal and you're willing to work hard, you can achieve it. Now, now there's also people who are going to surround you and support you in that endeavor. There, there's, there's, family, there's friends, there's neighbors, there's there's people that will be mentors in your life. And this idea that they'll be able to help you and move forward. But it's to, to, to me, it, it starts with this idea inside that that there's a, a place for you, there's a role for you, and that your potential is right out there and you can work to achieve it. You know, I've been working with USA direct selling companies for over three decades. And, you know, as someone who is considered as, you know, not as you as a hall of famer in direct selling, but just in, in selling with Brian Tracy and Bob Proctor and, you know, a variety of different people uh, along the lines, uh, 
Bosworth and you know <laughs> Zig. The interesting, the interesting thing that I've uh, found out, uh, the resistance that we receive from a direct selling organization, which to me absolutely represents uh, the American dream. It, it absolutely, you, kids come to me all the time and say, Mr. Meltzer, I have no money. I have no family. I, I, I'm at the bottom of the bottom. My basement, Mr. Meltzer, has a basement. I want to be a millionaire, right? I want to be a millionaire more than anything. I want to live the American dream. I'm willing, you know, like me when I was in law school, to shovel shit with my hands six days a week, 12 hours a day, and be grateful while I'm doing it. Yeah. How can I, how can I do this? And I said, join Amway. Right. And, and, and you know the the problem is the people that don't have belief the people who don't have belief they then go to blame shame and justification for the direct selling organization every the most successful multi-billion dollar ones that have been around for a half a century they literally will blame them because they didn't have the belief. They weren't willing to do what it takes. They don't have the desire that they must be what they can be. And that's what America represents. You come here with a desire that you must be what you can be. It's the only place on earth that you can be. The only place on earth you can fly to, to outer space if you want from nothing. You can you know create organization. You can make a trillion dollars from nothing. This is the only place right here in the US. And so you know, to get over that, you know, how have you, because you're in the Hall of Fame of direct selling, you know, you're writing a, a, and have a podcast about belief. How do we stop that side of it and be able to articulate correctly? Hey, this is just a matter of belief. We have all the tools, the help, the supports, the guides. It's a proven model over decades of time. How do we get that across to people so they don't resist saying, you know, Mr. Meltzer, I heard, you know, that direct selling organization is a scam. Of course you did, because those are people that don't believe. Right. Right. You, you know, you get over it by just keep telling the story and showing, pe telling people's story. You know, don't just tell the story of a company. You know, I, I, I work in our industry with direct selling a lot. Just amazing. The Direct Selling Association, amazing people. We all do similar things. We all certainly we compete with each other, but we're all in the same sort of area here trying to help people. And I would expand that. I would look at any industry that offers a starting job, you, you, you know, and at a okay, an entry level job, and it may be a low salary, but you're, you're getting so much more than just the cash, right? You're getting the experience and the knowledge and the learning and those that discipline of the simple things of showing up to work on time, being willing to learn, being willing to move forward, and, and understanding that you have the initiative to do what's necessary. And, and that's what we talk about all the time. We continue to just point to other people. And our, our message is if they can do it, you can do it too. Because they had a tough situation and we try to you know, connect as much as you can with someone with a similar background or a similar situation or, or, or something along those lines. But even then, sometimes people can connect with the story that, that people started in a tough place and if they can do it, you can do it too. And by golly, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, by, they don't have anything I don't have. They didn't do it. You know, they, they didn't come with a silver spoon in their mouth, but yet they made it. And those are the stories that we just have to keep telling people and keep talking about and, and making sure that all of our practices, everything we do is the best that we can, that we don't hold people back, that we don't create barriers, that we don't make mistakes as a company or a business, that we do what we promised we would do in the marketplace and with our friends. Um, and, and then if some people don't make it, that's okay too. We still cheer for those. 
we still say, I hope you learned something. If it didn't work out for you, I hope you took something away. So whatever you do next, you can still be successful because we, we want this to start people on another trajectory. And I have a lot of stories like that where people go, hey, I was in Amway when I was in college. I started low. I didn't make it. But I learned this or, or I, I saw somebody who had a great example and I kept going and now I'm doing this or this. And so I, I think we keep telling the story. We keep doing what you're doing, David. You're telling the story, right? You guys, your guys are out there. You're telling the story. You're talking about these issues that are important to people and, and you're, make, you're putting a face on it. You're making it real. And when you make it real, people can say, hey, if they can do it, I can do it, too. Well, I'll tell you just real quick. I didn't want to interrupt Mike. I always sure. tell my wife, I said, you know, I'm so blessed to be in the position I am to impact so many people. I said, I never thought the lack of talent, intelligence, speed, all the things that I lacked would be an attribute that allowed people to be inspired because they look at me. I'm not LeBron James. You know, I'm not I'm not Bezos. You know, they look at me and go, holy crap, if this moron can do it, I can do it. It must be belief because that's the only thing that guy has going for him. Because like I said, skills and knowledge are your basement, but belief is your ceiling. And uh, I think Mike and I, not to diminish his capacity as well, we make great basement uh, builders that, man, if these two basement dwellers can do it, anybody can. <laughs> do, Doug, do you feel that that, because look, selling gives you freedom. If you if you've got the ability to discipline yourself to sell and go out and take rejection and stay in the pocket and work hard, you're going to be successful. Sure. Any great entrepreneur knows that you've got to sell. Do you think people are not only afraid of the rejection, but it's just work? Do you think people just expect it to be easy, and then when they face the first like obstacle, they're like, "Oh, that's it," and they don't know how to push through that? I, I think it's a great question. I think people do struggle with, you know, with rejection. I think that's a huge element of, of what you deal with and, and pushing through those mistakes. How many times you get knocked down before you, you know, before you give up. And, and that's where the belief and determination comes in. But I, I think you're right that people go, oh, that sounds great. I, I heard this sales pitch. It's going to be easy. That's why we tell people all the time. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but it can be done. This is not you know, a get rich quick. This is not a simple straight path to, to where you want to go. It's a winding, tough journey, and you're going to have to fight for it. And, and if you hit the first bump in the road and you say, well, that's it. You know, I got tackled, so I missed my basket. I missed my shot, so I'm done with this game. You know, And that hurt when somebody hit me. You know, uh, So I'm not going to play this game anymore because these people on the other side are trying to stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Well, you know, unfortunately in life, that's the way it's going to be. And, and people aren't going to like your product and they're not going to want what you sell the first time. And you're going to have to find a better way to communicate or connect or, or find somebody who has, a, uh, you know, has the need for that product uh, and, and make the connection. You've got to sell. So we all got to sell. We're selling ourselves, right? We're selling what we believe. You know, we're selling our values. We're expressing them in a wonderful way. And so I think, you know, Mike, I think you're spot on. You've got to go through the times that you get knocked down. And it's that level of determination that's going to take people forward. That's what we see. Yeah. And you have to learn, uh, despite the pain, setbacks, failures and mistakes, that 
we're promoted and protected, that there's a, a faith and a belief that allows us to know that the more we get knocked down, the more we need to ask for help, not the less we need to ask. The more no's we get, the more we need to ask so that we can get the yeses. And asking is a huge thing. In fact, when people ask me what I would change, you know, if I went back to the 18, 28, 38, 48 year old, say David Meltzer, I just tell him, ask for help, my brother. You are an ignorant, humble human being that has an amazing belief and faith. And that's what your podcast is about. I can't wait for the launch. I'm hoping that you invite Mike or I on there. Uh, if you Love allow it. guests, we, we, we are belief men. We are living proof of the 1% of the 1% that carry faith and belief into everything that you do, not afraid to make mistakes or get a no. And you are changing the world and uh, one person at a time by inspiring them with this new ceiling maker. That's what I call you. You're the ceiling maker. You're, you're, You're the rooftop, my brother. And Doug, the double D, thanks so much for joining us. Please come back on. Please let us know how we can help you launch your podcast in 2022. There's probably no better title. I'm a little bit jealous. I like the playbook, but uh, man, believe, believe is a really, really good title. So thanks for joining us. I think playbooks worked out all right for you. So you're doing well. Thank yeah, you. Well, Looking forward to staying in touch. You betcha. Yeah. Take care, guys. We'll have you on there too. Thank you. All right. Great. All, care, all the best. Awesome. I'm going to jump. That's great. Yeah, no, we'll get our last person. I'm going to jump oh. early. You can finish up for me. Let's bring on Dr. Gordon Jones, co-founder and CEO of Validide uh, or Validity. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're looking good there, man. You look like my friend Josh York, but you have a, a big party coming up. And uh, I was hoping that you could give us a little bit of details of uh, the Validity's uh, exclusive soft launch party and what you guys have yep. going on. Yeah, well, we actually had it last week, okay. and it was pulled off great. Uh, so you guys were just talking about um, going through the hard knocks of life uh, with Doug. And uh, I turned 60 on December 1st, and that's when we did our soft launch. <laughs> so if a 60-year-old can start up a new tech company, man, uh, uh, anybody can, right? <laughs> yeah, buddy. So what? Uh, yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're building a technology to help people protect their identity and their personal data. Okay. And it's in a digital wallet. So if you think about your Apple wallet that now can hold your driver's license and your tickets and all that stuff, we're doing the same thing, but, uh, we're doing it in leveraging blockchain technology that allows us to do what we call decentralize this wallet that's very exact opposite of what apple does we call that centralized wallets and uh and in our model we don't even hold any of your personal information on our servers so your all your data is on is in your wallet just like it is in your wallet in your back pocket that you're in control of and you decide who you want to see it and, and uh, give it to. Uh, so it, it's new, but it's a worldwide movement called self-sovereign identity. Um, I know we're all, we, I know this group here and your listeners are all about being in control of yourself, self-responsibility, making it happen. And that's what the genre of self-sovereign identity does is it helps you through technology gain control over your personal information and um, there's a lot of details about it, but I'm here at the South Carolina DMV, which is why I'm calling in from my car. We're presenting to them 
this model that's been growing worldwide so that they make sure they're protecting South Carolinians data in a way that we believe protects it stronger and better than the way that it's done today. Yeah. You know, um, with the people walking behind you, Gordon, I, I thought maybe you were there taking a driver's test. So I was going to wish you good luck. <laughs> yeah. But I already did sure that put, a long time ago. I was going to say, make sure you put your seatbelt on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Car's running, but I am parked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I'm going to let Mikey uh, take over with the second question here, too. I wanted to thank you. I got to run to the airport to my studio in Las Vegas. Uh, but I, I am, as you know, working with Celsius. Yeah, no Bank. worries. I'm working with a lot of big companies, and this is a huge critical business issue, uh, self-sovereignty and the solutions of validity uh, that they solve. As you know, uh, if the DMV is interested, you can imagine uh, the credibility and also the future expectations of this types of technology. So I want to congratulate you. Also, Thank Mike, you. you come back on and appreciate your patience. I also want to give my takeaway for the day, Mike. Uh, before I leave, uh, and if you can add one when we're done with Gordon as well, my takeaway applies to Gordon. Obviously, it applies to Doug and and Rob, and it's the idea of believing. Uh, and you know, I just can't reiterate. You know, your skills and knowledge are your basement. So, if a sixty-year-old man, you know, with lack, you know, no sixty-year-old man has the skills and knowledge of a nineteen-year-old when it comes to technology, but if a sixty-year-old man whose basement is much lower than a 19-year-old's, has the belief that he can start an earth-changing, an impactful business that will help in the future secure our most valuable assets, uh, which is a certainty of the future. We can believe and do anything. So everyone, remember, your skills and knowledge are your basement, but your belief is your ceiling and thank you for pursuing your potential dr gordon jones and uh, i appreciate it. i'm 53 so it's like orville redenbacher man you're inspiring me i'm like what oh, man imagine what i can do when i'm 60. i wish i had orville redenbacher's hair man no, no, but hey, 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 <laughs> dr jones one last thing grass does not grow on a busy street that's right that's right isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> mikey i love you my brother dr. all right jones, safe flight you know me Take care, guys. Stay flat. The show strong. Take care. Okay. All right, man. So, Gordon, I have a question. So, um, yeah, what you've created, which is incredible. So, like I, for example, I use Coinbase, but then I have the Live Ledger, yeah. which is the wallet, right? Yep. Is that where you got the idea of like um, making that incredible transition to say to people, look, it's okay to have one thing, but if you don't have it in a secure place, you know, with all, what's going on in technology, they're going to steal your stuff. How'd you get the idea? Cause it's brilliant. So, uh, so I teach blockchain and data privacy at the university of South Carolina. And, uh, last semester, a year ago, this, this a year ago, uh, one of my students. So I teach entrepreneurship in all of my classes, no matter what I'm teaching. And so I tell them at the beginning of the semester, Hey, I want you to come up with a problem either you're having or your industry is having. And then through the semester, as you learn about whatever we're learning, in this case, blockchain, um, how you can use it as a tool to develop a problem to solve that, uh, to so create a solution to solve that problem. And so my student, Erica Barnett, um, she wanted to help secure student identity. So like if they lose their student ID or, or for example, when they go down to the bar and they're getting carded 
And a lot of people don't think about this, but for guys like us who have 20 year old daughters, uh, I don't know if you do it now, but, but, but for in the, in that age range, so your daughter's going down and she's getting carded and the, she's handing the bartender her driver's license. It has her name. It has her home address, has her exact birth date. So first of all, it's a safety issue. So if this dude's a stalker, he now knows how to find her. And then from a data security identity standpoint, that's three points of identity. And now when she does a credit card swipe to buy the drink, he's got enough information to steal her identity if he wants to. So that was Erica's problem. Um, and, uh, and then I had a couple of other things tacked into it around protecting student um, uh, or youth sports. So the youth sports has a big problem. When they're registering young kids, the only identity they have is to prove their age is their birth certificate. There are hundreds of thousands of coaches across the country that have birth certificates sitting on their computer, unsecure, and it's 50 uh, hackers go after young people's identities because they know that until that young person goes to college and has to hit up their credit bureau, they don't know that they've stolen their identity. And so it's 51% more likely that a person's going to, a hacker is going to try to steal a youth identity as opposed to an adult. And uh, so that's the other channel we've got going here is to help youth sports protect uh, our young kids' identity as well as everything else we can do for the adults. So. Wow. So where can, so where can people find you? Where can people find your technology? Where can people look you up? Yeah, so we uh, so we, we did our soft launch uh, December first. So our company's called Validity Corporation, but we 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 announced our our name of our wallet system is called Thrivacy. So Privacy. thrive through privacy, Thrivacy, and you can go to Thrivacy.io to check out what we're doing. Uh, we're even having a pre-sale, so we're not we don't have our our fully productive. Uh, fully launched product yet, but we're doing a pre-sale so people can go ahead and buy their wallet and help us even design it. <laughs> so, and, and, uh, yeah. Um, Dr. Gordon, do you also offer like some tutorials so people understand what oh, this yeah. is? Perfect. Oh, yeah. So, well, so back to the yeah. Coinbase thing, that's exactly what we have to do is educate people on the difference between a centralized identity and a decentralized identity. So I tell people we're doing what Coinbase did 10 years ago educating them on cryptocurrency and then making it easy for them to buy it. So we're doing that with identity. We're helping people understand what decentralized identity is. And then uh, we're going to make it very easy for them to be able to adopt a wallet to help them protect their identity. So that's what we're doing. All right. Well, good luck today. Cool. uh, Thank you, man. Thank you. Have a happy holidays. And thank you. so. All right, Sam. Merry Christmas. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye. All right. Okay, it's a wrap. Um, what is my takeaway today? Dave had a jump early. That was really amazing. So my takeaway from the two guests today is pretty simple. Uh, whenever you feel something, uh, which, which relates to me about the head injuries, sometimes you have to be the black sheep. And it goes to what Dave said, you believe in yourself. Intuitively, if you think something is right, you have to go after that. And that means that you may look like an outcast, a disruptor, whatever it is, but you have to follow what feels right to you. 
because just because you follow the crowd is not safe. Follow what feels right to you. Believe in yourself, like Dave said as well. And then from that, you'll be able to align with your purpose and your calling. Okay, so happy holidays to everyone. I hope everyone has a, we'll do it next week, but everyone has a great day today. Be kind, be positive, and remember to drop a dose of positivity on someone else. I'm Mike. Thank you.